Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, and I am very happy to welcome Richard Stamen, known as Mavs Draft, fellow Locked On basketball host. He hosts Locked On NBA Draft, but Richard is joining me today to talk about the progression of several of the Memphis Grizzlies' most important pieces this season, plus giving an outlook on some college and amateur prospects for Grizzlies fans to look out for. That and much more on this edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Here we go with the snazzy Locked On Grizzlies intro song. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome one and all to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. And again, I am very happy to welcome a gentleman who I have considered a friend as I've gotten to know him over the past few years. You know him as Mavs Draft, in my opinion, one of the best NBA draft minds that is out there to consult with. His name is Richard Stamen. Richard, how are you doing today, sir? Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. That's a very high praise after the words I said about Keon Johnson last year. I'm, I'm surprised that I got that high of praise. So thank you. It's very good to be back. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. And, you know, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. As much as I love Keon, as much as I love Jaden Springer, we may talk about another, um, you know, uh, freshman backcourt ball here in, in just a bit for this draft. But I'll give it to you. That's why I love talking with you. You're right about Keon. You were quite right about Keon. But we're going to talk about some other players that Richard has been right and perhaps not so right about. And I don't mean that as insulting, but I mean it as a positive way when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies. Of course, you can find both Locked On Grizzlies and Locked On NBA Draft wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Also here on YouTube, the Locked On NBA YouTube channel is now up and running. Is that correct, Richard? Yes, uh, Locked On NBA Draft just started, uh, I think now a week ago, two weeks ago. It's uh, it's brand new. You can be one of the first 25 subscribers to get a special prize. Um, it'll be a thank you. So very special prize, I think. And I'm subscribed, and we always talk about making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. Make sure you check out Locked On NBA Draft as one of your second listens of the day. Of course, all the great podcast content when it comes to basketball from the Locked On Podcast Network. So you know me, I've been covering the Grizzlies now for four years, credentialed media member. But Richard, when it comes to hard work, but when it also comes to quality of work, as I've said, he's one of the most talented NBA draft minds I've come across. But one of the reasons why that is, is not just because of the overall work that he does each and every draft class. It's Richard being able to maintain his opinions and also talk about players once they've been drafted. And Richard, that's what I want to get to with this Memphis Grizzlies team, because the second youngest team in the NBA, Richard, should not have one of the top three records in the league. You typically don't see this. Just how fun has it been for you? I know that you're a Mavericks fan, you're a Magic fan, but you also follow the Grizzlies. How much fun has it been for you just seeing the development of this young core? Yeah, first of all, thank you for all the kind words. Um, but second, it's been fun. Uh, this is a team who... Uh, admittedly, it's also been fun because I, I feel like I don't want to say I predicted this because nobody predicted this, uh, but I predicted them to be good. And uh, my my hot take preseason was 
you know, they're going to be not far behind the Grizzlies, or I'm sorry, the Warriors. The Warriors and them, there's not a massive gap. And I still stand by that. Maybe in the postseason, the answer is a little bit different. But in the regular season, the the difference isn't that big. And part of it comes down to, like you said, I mean, they've hit on so many of their draft picks and they mesh. And they're not the usual young team. They're a team that has hit so well in every draft that it has allowed them to do this. They really just don't have bad picks. Even their bad picks are just bad for the position and it's not like you drafted you know Papa Giannis or like Anthony Bennett or something you didn't draft an outright bust well and that's the thing about it right is that not only have they hit on these draft picks but they've hit at different levels you know Jaw, Jaron, Desmond and, and you know Zaire and what we're going to talk about but in each of those levels Richard those picks have either hit like they were supposed to but also, they've exceeded expectations sooner than people thought. They've hit immediately, but they've also hit higher ceilings than many thought that they would. So let's start with the obvious. John Morant, Richard, when the Grizzlies were lucky enough to get him, and obviously, that's where all this starts. That, that, that This is the central source of why this is hit. John Morant, his third season, back in 2019 when the Grizzlies drafted him, Richard, did you expect by his third season we'd be talking about an MVP all NBA lock it. This came to John Morant's talent. No, no way, and no way. I mean, I, I really thought he was going to be a good player after his. I, I was honestly a little bit torn on him coming out of um, what was it Murray State. Um, I was very torn actually because my my whole thing was: do I put him two or do I put him three behind RJ? And I eventually decided stupidly to put him behind RJ. Immediately regret that. Not that there's anything wrong with RJ, but Jaws very clearly got a case to be the best player and from that draft. And the fact that he's a 26 points per game guy, his three-point shot isn't a liability like people thought it would be. I thought that was that was why, ultimately, I decided not to put him above RJ Barrett was because I assumed, you know, he wouldn't be more than an average shooter and that would really hold him back and that teams could go under screens. That's not the case. I mean, 34% from three, the efficiency is still through the roof. His playmaking, his finishing, more than make up for it. I mean, he is a leader of a playoff caliber team by a mile. Like, I mean, he is so advanced for a third-year player doing this. And it's absolutely correct. Like, you know, everybody, especially when it came to his, from his rookie year, where he was amazing, to his second year, where he kind of stagnated a bit, but really stepped up in the second half of that year, the playoffs, and I don't think anybody could have expected for what he's doing, but it's a lot of fun seeing it. Hey, I'll take it as a Grizzlies fan. But the next where I want to ask you about is Jaron Jackson Jr. And I think it's a bit of a unique story, right? With Jaron, it hasn't been that straightforward increase like you've seen with Ja. It's not been that steady incline where he's took off. With Jaron, there's been kind of an up and down due to injuries, due to inconsistency and all that. But we're now in the fourth year of Jaron. His offense is not what it was in his second year, but he still is a more balanced scorer who can certainly still hit the threes when they need to. But the defense was where it is, especially coming off a year where he missed most all of the season. Him now being a true defensive player of the year, defense is now where he's best. And I think that that was expected coming into his fourth year. But did you expect for this combination, this style of player with defensive player of the year capabilities to emerge in Jaron's fourth season? Yeah, you know, if you had told me he would have broken out, like if there were two ways that he could have broken out, 20 points per game on near, you know, the near 50% shooting he had as a sophomore, um, or I guess his first two years really, like giving mean, 50% rookie year, 47% second year, 
if you told me that was a possibility or that he would be all defense and saying, hey, which one comes first, I'd probably have gone with the 20 points per game. I think learning to be an elite defender on your rookie contract is actually a really tough feat, especially for a big man. Um, I, I think, I mean, you can't say enough good things about him. I, I know there was a game, God, it's already been two weeks. I forget who it was against, but he was going under screens and still impacting the shots. And it's like, how many players in the league can do that? It's, it's ridiculous. Like, sure, some guys have the length to do it, but to be able to consistently contest shots over screens and not be a liability going under, that's, that's an elite skill. And then, of course, the other player that I want to ask you about, we're going to talk about Zaire in the second segment, but the other player who probably has been the biggest surprise of these three and someone that I know that you in particular were a big fan of in the 2020 draft is, of course, Desmond Bain. You know, we talk about so many teams that, you know, probably not, you know, with the most intelligence passed up on him in the 2020 draft, but... A guy, we talk about Jaw being a top 10 offensive player. We talk about Jaron being a top 10 defensive player. Listen, Richard, Desmond Bain is a top 10 shooter in the league. Truly a most improved candidate in his second year. His shooting was always supposed to be there. But even this good of a shooter, two years into his career, I don't think many thought it was that was possible. But even that, him becoming the complete offensive player that he has, it certainly has been quite encouraging to see. Yeah, I mean, so I obviously was big on Desmond Bain. If you look at my pinned tweet, it's about Desmond Bain from well before he was considered a prospect. Um, he was a, I mean, he was averaging like 15 points per game as a junior, but really under the radar, almost 50-40-90. I, I think he missed the 90 was the one he missed by three percentage points. It was absurd. The flashes with him, I've, I've always just been a big fan. And now you're seeing what he pretty much did his senior year is the NBA stats. I mean, he's averaging 17 four and a half, two with one as a senior at, at TCU, 17, seven, or excuse me, 17, six, four, one and a half. Like the stats are very similar. He is now the same player he was at TCU in a similar role where people thought, I mean, myself included, I thought he was doing a little bit more than he ever would do in the NBA because that's what these hyper role players do. These elite role players do like Robert Covington. If you look up his college stats, looks nothing like what he has done in the NBA because he had to do so much more. And that's where I thought we were going, but it's actually been a very clean, translation for Desmond Bain and it, it's been more than I ever could have expected as someone who was one of his biggest believers plus I, I don't know if the trash talking aspect of Desmond Baines which would probably get a, a 2k22 rating of 95 is there I don't know if he showed that in college but man it certainly is adding to the swagger that's there with with the Grizzlies they did plenty of it against your beloved magic and though they haven't had much ability to do it against your Mavs maybe they'll get to do it once it comes to the postseason so well i don't know that december meeting uh, desmond woke the beast and made the map start playing a positive player josh green positive player josh green i don't know about most improved player of the year like like desmond bain is so but all joking aside the thing we'll get to before we get to obviously looking at this past draft plus looking at some draft talk that's the reason why we have richard here so I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Now, I'm sure Richard also can back me up on this when it comes to Built Bar. But the great thing about Built Bar, like the Grizzlies, there's so many different options that you could choose from to help improve your play, to help improve their ability to win. 
well, choosing the right taste when it comes to Built Bar can help your day be better. Having in the morning for breakfast, having in the afternoon as a snack. If you fall asleep at work for three hours every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday like Richard does, it prevents you from doing that. But if you go to Built.com, you put in the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Plus, again, you get to choose from many different options to make your day better. Go to Built.com, put in the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your next order of Built Bar. Of course, Richard, I don't know about you, but are you excited for this week with the trade deadline coming up on Thursday? Dude, I cannot wait. Uh, and I think actually as we're recording, a trade just went down Ooh, with uh, Karis LeVert got traded. So there, this is only one place to find out more details. You want to take it? Uh, well, no, go ahead with the details, <laughs> sir. Uh, nobody knows. They literally just, Woj just tweeted, Karis LeVert has been traded to the Cavaliers. So... I'm anxiously refreshing the page. <laughs> and, th and that's what we see, right? But the reason why we mention this, and we'll get into that in just a second, the reason why we mention this is because, of course, all the great things that are going on this week, the whole point of being a part of the Locked On family of shows when it comes to the NBA is every one of them are important this time of year. Of course, you get us, the local experts for each of the teams like myself with Locked On Grizzlies, but you also get the Locked On NBA show talking about all the rumors, all the news as it happens. Plus, Thursday from 2 to 4 p.m., you'll get John Corrales of Locked On Celtics and Josh Lloyd hosting a special Locked On NBA trade deadline special, getting all the latest news right at the deadline. But here's also where I want to plug in Locked Locked on NBA draft because there are going to be several key players in these trades that happen that were drafted maybe, you know, in the past one or two years, kind of like Keon Johnson going to the Trailblazers. What could those young prospects look like and why should they be encouraging for some of them young, those young teams? The great minds like Richard over at Locked on NBA draft will have the latest for you on that. Check it all out from all the great shows on the Locked On NBA show, family of podcast shows. But Richard, that's what we're getting at, right? Is that the Cavaliers were rumored to be going after a two-guard. And one of the biggest reasons why is because, of course, Colin Sexton went down earlier this year. But the Cavaliers have done a great job of drafting. Obviously, Evan Moby, Mobley, Darius Garland, they make great trades. And Jaron Allen, now Karis LeVert, both of those players who were in that James Harden trade. But getting to the Grizzlies, you've got a team like the Cavaliers. I would say that the two biggest surprises in terms of potential contenders this year have been the Cavaliers and the Grizzlies. For the Cavaliers, they needed to make a trade to really take advantage of where they are in the Eastern Conference. But with how well the Grizzlies have drafted, it's really hard to find there being a reason for them to make a significant trade. That's kind of the byproduct of drafting so well over the past three or four years. Yeah, I mean, both teams have the same exact problem where they have not missed since 2018 on a, on a or excuse me, they haven't missed at least, there hasn't been a round where they have missed uh, in the draft where 2018 it started with the Cavs, Colin Sexton, 2019 Darius Garland, uh, 2020 Isaac Okoro, 2021 Evan Mobley. It doesn't even matter what else they did, even though they missed out on the Kevin Porter Jr. stuff, um, you know, they were still able to make it work Obviously, that could have gone better, but it didn't wasn't detrimental. Memphis is in a similar situation where it's uh, it's just you know they they now have too many good players. I think you're kind of seeing it with Brandon Clark, and who knows, maybe a guy like Zaire Williams could be another. Where I think he's been better than the numbers suggest. Uh, and if you remember, I came on here in July, uh, day after the draft, kind of bashing that pick, and you know it's been a little bit better. And maybe one day he'll be kind of in this similar boat where. You're, you're reluctant to get it, let him go, be, but you kind of have to in a trade to get someone better. 
And that's the thing about Zaire Williams is that the whole point of it is, is that Zaire, in my opinion, is someone that certainly has has been, um, listen, it he's not been as immediate of an impact player as some of these other rookies have been. But let's be honest with you, that's the point of being on a team like the Grizzlies who have been so good with such young talent. You haven't had as much opportunity, but Zaire Williams, in my opinion, in January has become an effective transition finisher and reliable corner three specialist. He's carved out a role that he consistently is improving at, and that certainly has to be more encouraging. When we were talking after the draft, you were not the biggest fan of it. I, I was not the biggest fan of it, and I think that's fair. But the fact that he is so quickly not only carved himself out a role, but the other big thing is he's a quick learner. I certainly think that helps him out in the long run. Yeah, I mean, that's I kind of saw it on Saturday against the the Magic. That game was very apparent, like you said, uh, with the corner corner shooting and the transition finishing. Those two were pretty prevalent, I would say. Like it was, I mean, he had 11 points, and even the game before, in a, a little bit better of a game against New York. He went nine of 11, had 21 points, three of five from three. The three-point shot has been inconsistent, um, but I think you're kind of buying the flashes. Like he's not missing his free throws, which is very helpful, 90-something percent uh, over pretty much since he started playing again after Thanksgiving. And then the three-point shot, you get some that go in, you get some that don't go in, and, you know, when it's hot, it's hot. And hopefully that just turns into more and more consistency. And maybe, you know, keeping those high flashes, just reducing those low flashes too. But the ability for him just to be a play finisher for some of these other semi-creators. I tweeted out uh, on Sunday yesterday that, um, you know, he, Desmond, excuse me, made a play where Cole Anthony was recovered from the screen, was about to block him, came from the side. The ball's right here. Desmond makes a perfect read to the open corner shooting Zaire Williams, and he reigns it. And that's the kind of role where those little plays, they add up a lot, and it makes makes just everybody around them better because of it. And so that brings us to this year's draft class and typically around February of each year. That's why I love having you and others come on to talk about what the direction the Grizzlies are going to go. And that's where we'll stick for the rest of this episode is that the Grizzlies have three first round picks according at this point. And the thing is, though, is that it, it, it's so unique because the Grizzlies coming into this draft, it was anticipated that having got the Utah pick in the Mike Conley trade, having got the New Orleans pick in the, the Pelicans trade from this past summer, you or the Lakers pick, excuse me, from this past summer, you could have conceived, conceivably looked at it and thought that, you know, hey, th this is definitely going to be, you know, the Grizzlies who are going to have the best pick out of the, these three picks, but that's not the case. Right now, the Grizzlies would have the 13th pick, you know, 13th, you know, pick with the Lakers in, in the lottery, but Utah's pick would be 24, and the Grizzlies would be, 20. So the thing that I ask you this is, Richard, is that when you look at where the Grizzlies are potentially drafting in these selections, in these areas, what stands out to you as, as possibly in the middle teens, but then also the late first rounds, what areas, what type of players are really going to be values in the middle teens with that Lakers pick potentially, and then in the 20s with the Utah and Memphis pick this year? Yeah, it's, it's a weird draft. Um, the top isn't as strong as especially last year. Um, it might be similar to 2020 where you hope, you know, I mean, actually 2020 in hindsight is a lot stronger than I expect this one to look. Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball alone kind of top that because those guys are stars in year two. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to say that about the 2022 guys. And 
I do think that there's some good floors. I just don't know if the ceilings are crazy high. So with that being said, after about five, it starts getting to be madness. It's you're getting a bunch of different varying opinions, guys such as Patrick Baldwin Jr., someone who was a top 10 recruit who went to Milwaukee, who has just absolutely tanked his value by injuries and just not playing that well, um, made a living, made a big name for himself at the FIBAs, but even then didn't perform that well, has one of the cleanest shots in the draft, but just can't, hasn't made a ton in the last 12 months. It, that guy, he could be around in the probably the Lakers pick. Now, there are three picks, right? You said Utah, yours, and then the Lakers, right? I'm, I'm just making sure I'm not missing this. So the, the Lakers one, yeah. I would say 13. Let's let's stick with like Patrick Baldwin Jr. type, where it's someone who is going to slip a little bit more than where he was October. He's probably slipped a few spots. He could go anywhere. He might end up in the 20s. But for now, let's just say the, the 13th, give or take, pick. And then after that, you start getting this massive lump of guys, I would say 20 to 40 it's pretty interchangeable. There's a lot of different guys. I would say you have a good mesh of a lot of players, but it's mostly stacked on the wings. I, I think this is a wing-heavy class. It's not really heavy for guards, especially at the top. This might be where you get your guard, though, if you're trying to take another backup point guard, if you see Tyus Jones is replaceable, which I don't know really why you would want to do that at the 20th pick, but if that's a route that you're considering, you have a few options. A lot of rotation players, back-end rotation players in this range. And so sticking with that 13th pick, Richard, you know, you could look at that size-skill combination that the Grizzlies certainly seem to value. That's why they traded up to the 10th pick to get in that range to potentially get a Giddy or a Wagner or a Kaminga. They wound up with Zaire Williams this past draft. But do you feel that at that 13th pick, perhaps if you're looking at a Patrick Baldwin Jr., it may be a bit too high, but maybe a Dyson Daniels as someone, again, those size-skill combinations – do you feel that that probably makes sense for the Grizzlies? But I also, there's a name out there that I'm highly intrigued with that would be another pure upside play in Jaden Hardy. Where the Grizzlies are, do you feel that they may they may want to go with highest ceiling lottery ticket as possible in a Hardy instead of going with a size skill combination like a Baldwin or a Daniels or somebody else? Yeah, I would I would say if you're going for lottery ticket, Dyson Daniels is probably eliminated. I, I see him as a very good floor player. Um, Patrick Baldwin still could be that, but ultimately the, like, like we talked about with the fact that Memphis has just done so well drafting over the last years, they're playing with house money. So I would not be opposed to doing something like 13, take Patrick Baldwin Jr. Trade up to 16 with your other two picks, hope, but maybe give up a, you know, future, maybe whatever, just a tiny little piece and then take Jaden Hardy. Because at that point, yeah, I, one of those two guys will pan out. I have a very hard time seeing in an independent vacuum that both of those guys fail. And if you get one of them, you're getting a very good draft. It'll certainly be interesting to see, but we also certainly feel that the Grizzlies with their three draft picks, while it may make sense for them to, to keep the Lakers pick to have as high a pick as possible, they probably will trade at least one of these picks. But if they do have a pick late in that first round, what are a few names that could really stand out from different perspectives? We'll get into that in just a second. But I'll put it to you this way. Another thing that's a lot of fun is when it comes to betonline.net, being able to bet on the Grizzlies. Now, Richard, are, are you someone who likes to wager and bet on sports when you can? <laughs> uh, with pride. I, I'm so, I'm scared. I'm scared, but I do it. I mean, I do my nightly picks, so I, I take a chance. I put myself out there. He does have a pretty good record this year as well, but I can tell you one place that can definitely be reliable for you if you like to bet and wager on sports is betonline.net. It remains the best spot 
For all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And it's not just football. Obviously, with the Super Bowl coming up, BetOnline is the up-to-the-minute pro in college sports, NHL, boxing, UFC, the Olympics, with real-time updates of current goings-ons. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline where the game starts. Of course, we want to remind you that thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But check out the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast with Richard. We'll make sure to get you when he's on during the week, the Locked On NBA Podcast. But also the Super Bowl is coming up. You've got the um, Rams and obviously um, the um, Bengals who are in the title game. Check out their shows if you're a fan of the, of the Rams or Bengals. But check out the Locked On NFL Podcast of your choice as well. Whatever your favorite team is, Besides two of them, the offseason has already started. Richard, you're a Cowboys fan, right? Hate to hear that. Check out the Locked On Cowboys podcast or in, in a much better, better, better situation than the Cowboys. Check out the Locked On Titans podcast as well. Make sure you check out the Locked On NFL and Locked On NBA choice of shows for you after making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. So, Richard, going to kind of put you on the spot here. So, again, we're talking about the Grizzlies. 13, 23, and 28. So if the Grizzlies were to want to really focus on that front court, because we know that they've got job, we know that they've got Desmond Bain, we know that they've got Dylan Brooks, who likely are all going to be, um, you know, leading the charge, especially for a playoff team, you know, over the next few years. But when we look at that front court, Kyle Anderson, potentially will, will be gone if they don't extend him. You've got Brandon Clark, who, who potentially could be gone if they were to trade him. So I asked this question, in terms of a big wing, when you get into that 18 or later in the draft phase, who is a young guy, maybe a freshman or somebody like that, in that big wing front court category who has a high ceiling that in the Grizzlies developmental track could certainly be a target of theirs worthy of going after in the 20s? Yeah, um, this one's a little bit tough because I've seen him mocked as high as like 13 or so. So this could technically apply there. But I, I'll go with Tari Eason. Um, he's at LSU. He was a transfer from Cincinnati, played his freshman year, played a decent amount of minutes, uh, didn't really pop off the stat sheet. But this year at LSU, I mean, he's taken off. He's 6'8", 215, all muscle, has completely just – he bulldozes whoever's near him. But he's not just a power guy who's bigger than everybody else. He's very skilled and finesse. But his strength just puts it over the top. He can spin past guys with ease because they just can't stay on him. And that his jump shot is a little bit questionable. 30% from the field uh, or 30%, excuse me, from three this year, 24% last year. But he's shooting free throws very well, 77%. He's able to get to the line at a high rate. So you look at someone with all that offensive skill set. And if you can develop the jump shot, you're getting a very good player because he's also a monster on defense. And he doesn't, he's not a ball stopper on offense, which to me is enough. So that's one candidate who I would start with as a 13 or 23 could go either way. That's probably a young prospect to look at. Now, when we get into an older prospect name, because we know the Grizzlies obviously have focused on that with uh, Brandon Clark and, you know, Xavier Tillman and Desmond Bain, a guy who's, you know, all those three to four year players. Is there a guy in the late 20s, doesn't even have to be front court, but just someone who's a wing or probably a big that you feel, hey, he may be drafted later because he's a bit older, but he's the type of guy who not only could make an immediate impact, but has the skill set to potentially reach a higher level than some may be given him credit for in these early draft assessments. Just a guy you think jumps off the page in that late first round area. Yeah, it's probably Oche Agbaji from Kansas. He 
is being labeled um, the Desmond Bain of this draft, which is an unfair comparison. He's just a senior from in the Big 12 who's shooting an absurd number and has a very projectable shot. He's 6'5", 6'6", 6'10", wingspan. Um, shot has, is shooting right now. This is out after this game, after Baylor, against Baylor from this weekend. 46% from three on seven attempts per game. 71% from the line is a little bit alarming. Uh, it doesn't really match what you saw with Desmond Bain. He was consistently in the 80s. Uh, or at least 78, which is about the benchmark for a wing. 77, 78 is what you want. He's at 71, and this is the highest of his career. So that's a little bit alarming, uh, but great athlete. One of the one of the bounciest athletes I think I've ever seen in person, where I remember seeing him as a sophomore at Kansas, where he was his head was just well above the rim. It's absurd. He can play a little bit of defense. Uh, not exactly a lockdown player, but can't really create for himself is a big difference. But consistently that three-point shooting he's a senior he is a guy to look for as that three-point specialist of this draft 46 percent on seven three-point shots a game Richard I'm not going to sit here and say I'm on your level of assessing prospects that's good I I'll say that's good in my opinion would, would that be correct it, it's a controversial take but I'll, I'll back you on this one <laughs> So a few other things that really stand out then, and, and just going to kind of get into more of a lightning round here. So obviously the other thing that we've seen this year, Richard, is that Coach Taylor Jenkins, he's like an experimenting with that two-point guard lineup of Jaw and Tyus Jones. Now I can certainly understand that paying $10 million to a backup point guard after this year, especially with you know who Jaw is, it may not make the most sense. But I get that you probably don't want to use a late first round pick necessarily on a backup point guard, but that point guard could be someone who you could play with y'all some. He could be a future draft asset, potentially. There are a couple of names out there. <clears throat> there better be one that's at the top of your list, and that's why I hiccuped right there, because if there's anybody else that's at the top of your list, we're going to have issues. But all joking aside, those ball handlers, those young, potentially, you know, not necessarily high upside, but, you know, relevant, you know, could become significant role player type playmakers and ball handlers. A couple of names that even in that 13 to 23 area that you really could see the Grizzlies, if that's something they're really focusing on, they could target in this draft. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give two. One is, uh, I'll just start with the, the one who has the younger uh, and higher upside play of this, which is Trevor Keels of Duke. Once originally mocked in the top 10 around November, uh, end of November, the Thanksgiving mock, he was in there, falling off a little bit. The three-point shot hasn't been as consistent. However, it's not because of inability. He shoots really far, and it's just a little bit consistent. He loves those deep threes a little bit too much. Um, Jalen Suggs' problem is what I like to call that, where Jalen Suggs shot like 33 34% last year from three, but his shot is so much better than that, he just shot himself into bad shots. Um, monster on defense, absolute unit of a, of a freshman. He's 18 um, might just be 19. He's young, really good upside. He can kind of be, I mean, tough, like he can create for others. It kind of almost sounds like what Tyus does though, is that, that defensive ability and just does a lot of everything. Um, not exactly, obviously one-to-one, -one, but, and I'm not just saying that because Duke and I'm, I'm realizing how much I'm shooting myself in the foot here. And I'm not going to say ten Kennedy Chandler, uh, but another player, I will go with a different SEC guard. Uh, this one's not a young player. I know you asked for young players, but I'm going to go with someone else who I think is, um, almost the Chris Duarte of this draft to some extent, which is Iverson Molinar. He's going to be 23 at the beginning of the season, uh, pretty early into the season, but he's a junior. But you just you can't make up his efficiency. He's a guy who 
I would say his biggest issues pretty much uh, entering after his sophomore year were turnovers. He cut his turnovers a lot. His turnover percentage has decreased. Um, he is really just controlling the ball. He's a playmaker. He's a three-level scorer, even if the three-point shot is down. But Iverson Molinar at Mississippi State, for the year, he's averaging 18 points a game on 49% shooting. 28% from three is alarming, but 89% from the three free throw line, he gets there a lot. The touch is there. He has a little bit of a hitch. It's fixable. The three-point shot has shown consistency in the past, and he can shoot very well from mid-range. I fully buy it. If you're looking for a rotation player, the Grizzlies just took Santi Aldama at 30 last year, ruling out Iverson Molinar, a guy who's seeing in the like, mid-second, late-second right now, very well could be had at 28. And that's the thing in that, especially in that 25 to 40 range, you a lot of times in those older prospects, um, we saw it with uh, um, with um, the uh, guy who came from Baylor last year was Jared Butler, who, you know, had the health concern, but went right to Utah. He hasn't been used that much, but could become a, a valuable bench piece for them as they continue to want to contend. You can find some of those older ball handlers who could step right into being a rotation player. But I also want to end with this, Richard, because I do think that there are a few names right in the Grizzlies' backyard, who at different points of this draft could make sense, especially Jalen Duran, who's there. I've seen him even mock to the Grizzlies, potentially at 12 or 13. I don't think that he'll be there if he especially has a very good march. But a couple of names from this Memphis Tigers team that could be in attractive, not only to the Grizzlies, but also in general to the NBA in that first early second round area. Yeah, so uh, Jalen Duran is pretty much the lone guy who is going to be in that first-round range this year. Next year, Amoni Bates, uh, if he decides to stay at Memphis another year, will be one. He's got an interesting case because his dad came out and said, you know, he's grown, he's, he's this. Like, who knows? I think he needs the G League to kind of rebuild his stock. But an interesting second-round prospect I could see breaking out as a uh, as a prospect because he really just hasn't got enough traction is Lester Quinones. Um, only nine points a game, but – I think he has three-point shooting specialists. Last year, shot 40% from three. He reminds me, the form reminds me a ton of Jordan Wara on Milwaukee, who went to Louisville. He's shooting 34% from three this year, but I'm really not too concerned about the percentages. 75% from the line, quick shot, projectable shot, catch and shoot is good. I think he's someone who might be able to sneak into those that later part of the draft. So then we're going to do a quick lightning round just from areas of names that we may have already mentioned, but just some other names that you think could be names to, for Grizzlies fans to watch out for in these specific areas. All right, Richard. So let's start here. And I'm talking about draft picks that would probably be from 15 later based off the Grizzlies draft picks. If, if the Grizzlies were looking for size and skill, but for someone that was a playmaker of names we've not mentioned, one or two names who you think could make sense if the Grizzlies really wanted to focus on that size, skill, but playmaking combination with the draft pick? I'll go Rocco Prakachin. Uh This is a, a, a tough one because he's been really – he's hurt his stock. He was a fringe first-round pick last year, but point forward kind of big man, 6'9", uh, 6'10", six, six, over in Europe. He's someone to monitor. A young wing with good shooting upside, someone that could really stand out that, you know, hey, maybe he needs to go stay another year in college, but if he comes out in this draft, really, if he gets in the right development track, could be a great shooting source for his size beyond Patrick Baldwin. Yeah, Max Christie. I think this is a very easy one. 6'6 six, six at Michigan State, only 34% from the year uh, from three, but, I mean, the guy can shoot over defenses, quick release. It's him. 
And then when it comes to bigs, a guy who could, you know, a switchable guy on defense, but also could offer a bit more shooting upside than you might expect. I know the Grizzlies really don't need a lot of front court help necessarily with already having Xavier Tillman, Clark, and Jaron, but a big who not only has a bit more shooting upside than he may be given credit for, but also could hold his own as a switchable defender in today's NBA. Yeah, I'm glad you did this because I've been trying to figure out how to plug this man into other draft conversations. But this is Ismael Kamigate over in Paris. He just turned 21 last month. He is 6'11", 6'10", 7'0". Nobody really has a sure idea, but good body, very, very quick uh, on the defensive end. And he's shown a reliable mid-range shot, very athletic, shades a little bit of of some DeAndre Aiden in terms of just raw skill set. And Richard, how many minutes have, how many hours actually have you committed to our after the day after the draft show in which we do two segments on why the Grizzlies drafted Kennedy Chandler? Hey, unlimited. Uh, it's an open, open, uh, <laughs> it's an open blank check is what I'm going for. <laughs> This is the reason why I absolutely enjoy every time I get to talk with Richard. It's not just boom. He can, we've sit here, talked about 10 to 12 names that make sense for the Grizzlies. It's also just real quickly why they make sense. Richard, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you. This isn't the first time. It certainly isn't the last. We're going to have you plenty of more times if you would, if you'd be kind enough to join us again. Thank you first off for joining us, but where can folks find your great content and what can they be looking forward to as we get into March Madness and obviously starting up the draft season for the NBA draft? Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, pretty much everything will be stemmed from at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Anything I do on MavsDraft.com will be posted. Anything I do on the podcast will be posted through there. Uh, I tweet a lot, so be prepared if you do decide to follow. <laughs> The thing with Richard is you always get an honest opinion, but you also get a very positive one, and you're not going to find too many guys who, who are better in terms of being just a just a kind gentleman. So, Richard, if you'll stick with us for just a second afterwards, thanks again so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. For Locked On Grizzlies, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, this week we'll be, we will be talking about the games, but also plenty of trade chatter leading up to February 10th's trade deadline. Check out the Locked On NBA Draft podcast with Richard and many others as they continue to break down all the prospects, but give some reaction as well to some young players traded. For Richard Stamen, who you can find at Mavs Drafts, my, my, Mavs Draft. My name is Sean Coleman. Find me at Stats SAC and at Locked on Grizz. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.